you know, if you're riding a bicycle and you're looking in a certain direction, that's where you go. Whatever's rattling around in your brain is what is what you're going to gravitate towards. So clear it out and then decide what you want to think about. Welcome to Better Together with Kosti Epifonsev, a podcast on parenting, business, and living life intentionally. We're here every week to bring you thoughtful conversation on making your own path to success, challenging the status quo, and finding all the ways we're better together. Here's your host, Kosti Epifonsev. Hey, y'all, this is Costa, and today I'm here with my guest, Jennifer Hawkins. We're talking about learning to love yourself and healing from the inside out. Jennifer is a holistic health coach specializing in mind-body connection and essential oils for emotional wellness. A native to Middle Tennessee, an educator at heart, Jennifer joined the wellness and healing community in 2014. Her passion of strategizing and building a brand to give people the tools and knowledge to understand their bodies and minds so that they can live the quality of life that they know they were meant for. Jennifer is a host and creator of the Metamorphosis podcast, certified bar instructor, doTERRA leader, and most importantly, healing and wellness educator. Jennifer, I'm thrilled to have you with us today. Self-acceptance and love is something we all struggle with. Knowing there are people like you to cheer us on is such a comforting feeling. Can you tell me about your journey of self-healing and love? And was it one event or a gradual lifestyle change? Uh, it was many events, many pivotal event events. They're still very vivid in my mind, but so many of them that I have to say it was gradual. I could find no less than 10 different points to talk about, you know, at this very moment and say, well, it was this. Well, actually, no, it was this. But it probably did start with my kids. Um, I had a son who was really struggling in school, not because he couldn't learn. He just couldn't function within the box. And I ended up finding out through the therapist, through the school psychologist, actually, that a lot of things could be going on with his body, his diet and stuff like that. And so when I started digging into how foods directly affected the body, which directly affected the mind, it just blew my world. And I started trying to understand everything I could about how nature and our bodies work together. And from then on, it just became a fascination of how much our bodies do for us and taking care of my body. And then that led just, I guess, deeper inward into, oh, there are emotions in there (laughs) and um, all the things that that does in alignment with your physical body too. You really can't separate the two. So diet does affect your emotions and Absolutely. Yeah. Hormones, chemicals, it's all part of it. My wife has changed her diet dramatically because of the doTERRA, the oils and kind of that whole culture that it comes with. You put premium gas in, you know, expensive cars, but for some reason we'll go and we'll run nine miles and then we'll go and eat McDonald's, you know, as our, as our post-workout meal, right? Yeah. It blows my mind. So, on the topic of taking care of your body, what does self-love, what does that mean to you? It has probably morphed in definition, but I would have to say that at this point right now, what I see it as is accepting who I've been at every point in the past and where I am right now, but also having hope for the future that there's still so much farther to get to go, not to have to go, but to get to go. I love that. So you're constantly working, constantly educating, showing up for others online and in person. 
You make self-care look easy. I mean, so easy. Is it easy? Uh, yes and no. Sometimes. I think we all have those humps that we avoid. And, you know, we have a problem and we go to somebody and we get advice. And they're like, well, this is what you need to work on. Oh, no, I don't want to work on that. I'll, I'll work on this. And I've done that many times in my life. I've tried to cut corners and cheat. And still the problem keeps circling back around. And so I've had many points where I've had to just get over myself and try to get myself out of the way and just do the thing that I need for myself. And once it becomes a habit, it's not a big deal. How long does it take for it to become a habit for you? Oh gosh, I am not a habit person. I love spontaneity. So for me, I feel like it takes a little longer than the average person, but I will say one year is the marker I use to kind of measure my life. I look back and I see what changes have I made over the past year? What problems am I still dealing with that I shouldn't still be dealing with? And so I just kind of give myself grace. I'm not real, not really strict about how, like how many weeks it should take. Sure. Yeah. I've been trying to to not bite my nails and I've been doing it ever since I was five years old. And it's so difficult. It's probably the one tick, I guess you could say, that I have. And I get to like the six week mark and start biting them. And I think like, oh gosh, next time if I could just get to the 10 week mark and, you know, get to six months, it'll just get easier. And you're absolutely right though. Forming habits is really, really hard, but it's so important if you're going to kind of invest in yourself, right? Yeah. I love that. So I'm not exactly sure what this means, but my producer Morgan has talked about it before and and it makes me curious. What's the difference between living your life in a flow state versus a resistance state? So for me, I like to use the word flow as like, you know, little passwords and things like I just like to remind myself that that's how we're designed to live. We are designed to be fully loved and accepted and whole. And then miracles just happen around us. Things just work out for us. We don't have to always be fighting and trying and exhausting ourselves so hard. And so I know that when I am coming up with a lot of resistance or things just aren't working in my life, it could be a lot of different things. It might be that I have, a, you know, a mindset issue that I'm just making it hard every which way I turn. Sometimes I just have to stop and listen and say, is the thing on the other side of this resistance what I'm even wanting? Is that really what I want? So for me, living in a flow state means I know the core values that I align my life with. I know the feelings that I want to experience in my life. And regardless of the actual like tangible goals I have set for myself, I try to align with those things and stay in that lane. And it just kind of carries you in the direction that you want to go. So correct me if I'm wrong, but I think I get what you're saying. So when I was playing hockey, the big game, you know, they always talk about the big game, you know, how you get super nervous, you go throw up in the bathroom before you get out on the ice. So the games that were super important and the pressure was extremely high, I would kind of like force myself to do well. And I didn't always play well because I had so much pressure on me, right? Right. And that's that resistance state that you're talking about. But man, when you get out there and you've played this team like 10 times already and, you know, not just, you know, your own teammates, but their teammates as well. You're out there and you just got sick moves and mad hands. Yeah. Yes, exactly. I've been studying a whole lot about the nervous system lately and how we handle pressure and stress in our bodies. And the thing is, we don't handle it well. If it's there, it can kind of interfere with what we're trying to do. And so, yeah, trying to remove pressure and just kind of have fun. Yeah. Go with the flow. Mm -hmm. I love that. How can everyday people like me who sometimes struggle with anxiety and self-acceptance start healing? And what can I do for myself to start that process? As I said a minute ago, I think aligning with core values is so important because I'm still in this journey myself and I could tell you every step of my journey and it's not going to be the same for everybody, but self-discovery is a huge part of it. 
I don't necessarily mean you have to go learn your Enneagram number, but if that's what does it for you, it did a whole lot for me, especially when I was trying to kind of expand. I quit my job teaching after eight years and I was like, all right, what's next? And I really had to dig in to figure out what I was good at. So I think self-discovery, knowing not only what you're good at, but what is my direction of growth because it looks different than the person beside me, which, you know, in Enneagram, they call it integration. And then knowing my stressors, which are different than the person beside me. So just kind of knowing where are my triggers, where am I going? What what obstacles do I have to get over to be able to grow forward? This is a huge part of it. And I say growth, but to me, that is self-love. If you're living, you're growing. Absolutely. So my wife has been talking about the Enneagram and we've met a handful of people recently that kind of swear by it. Do you mind sharing what your number? I'm Enneagram 5. Fantastic. And so what number am I? I don't know. I don't know you well enough. Gosh, one day you're going to have to tell me though. I keep getting the three. I don't know if that's good or not. I haven't looked into it. I did take a personality test once and uh, I know obviously it's a lot more involved than just a regular personality test, but I was a maverick on a personality test my friend gave me, which I think that means that I'm a nonconformist, but I'm also a good salesman and, you know, obviously extrovert, you know, like talking to people because I asked him, I said, well, because he uses it for his new hires, based off of this indication, what position would you hire me for? And he says, I'd hire you in sales. Sounds pretty three-ish. Yeah. Right. So uh, he was the uh, captain because he's a leader. Yeah. I'm just a bundle of joy. Right. So I'm a father of four. What advice would you give parents with children struggling with self-confidence issues? Uh, when I was a teacher, I used to have a lot of kids. <clears throat> they would come to me whenever they weren't getting along with other kids in the classroom or stuff. I would try to teach them early on, learn how to say no without explaining yourself. Just those little tips, things. But as a parent, I really feel like our biggest role is to live it in front of them. And um, I can give them, you know, my philosophy and my advice. But it's really my example. If they catch that vibe off of me of like, wow, she, you know, she just goes for it. Then I've kind of blazed that trail for them to follow. I never realized how much kids pick up on, you know, the days that you're frustrated or you're, you know, in a hurry and they do something and you get mad at them or come down on them. You think that they're just going to brush it off, right? Because that's what you would do. Oh, somebody's mad. Okay. Well, they're going to have to figure it out because I got things to do. Right. But they resonate. And if you're not careful and you're constantly like pounding this, you got to do better you got to do better. You got to got to be perfect mentality. They will develop kind of this anxiety and this defeatist approach to things like I'm not good enough, which they they are, you know, they're humans. And honestly, I believe most humans are good at pretty much everything if they just apply themselves. But I totally agree with you 100%. So I've noticed essential oils are a vital part of your brand. Where do you recommend people start who are trying to learn or incorporate the benefits of essential oils into their own life? And what do you say to people who think that essential oils tend to kind of be a scam? Oh, I get lots of that. And I don't say a lot at first, but if you're just starting out, you can get two or three essential oils and do a, a lot of different things. So I know that people like get into it and they build their collection really fast or they, you know, really start to buy a lot of different things and, and you get overwhelmed really fast. So I say start slow, start with what you can manage. But I teach people to get started by learning their body cues because I said I'm about self-discovery. I think you should know yourself really well, know what your body's asking for. I go through a whole list of like, well, let's look at diet, sleep and all this other stuff first. It's not the be all end all magical cure, which is where I think it gets a bad rap <laughs> is that people right. want to use it for that. And uh, I really teach people to understand that, you know, your body just needs a little bit of extra help sometimes and the science of how they 
work in the plant when they're part of the plant versus how they work with us is not a, a lot different. But yeah, they do kind of get a bad rap from people who promise the world with them. And then you you know you hear people like me. I can give you stories of things I have seen. But again, we're all different, so you've got to kind of learn your body, um, learn where issues are coming from, learn where the body cues your body is giving you, and stay in sync with yourself to know what you're needing. And there are tons of references. Honestly, there's a lot of information that's conflicting, a lot that's confusing. And so finding a person who maybe you followed their story or you like what results they've gotten or whatever, there are plenty of teachers out there that you can follow. I did the same thing myself. I latched on to this one girl, uh, loved everything that she was teaching, and I learned a ton from her. I picked up a few things from other people, but I think the example is a really good place to start finding somebody that you can follow. There's so much information out there now. I mean, you know, you can get for, you can get stuff that's considered against, and you're absolutely right. It, it's whatever applies to your body. Obviously, exercise and a good diet is a pretty good start. It's foundational. Right. But the essential oils will help you instead of relying on, you know, all kinds of different medications, they will help you get over colds. I mean, I've used them before. The, the roller that you put on um, the bottoms of your feet or on your neck, and it helps. We never grew up with that. Most of the people that are listening to this podcast and most of the people in society, they were never told, hey, man, listen, you don't have to take this Tylenol or NyQuil to pass out in the middle of the night when you have a cold. You could probably just take a combination of these oils, it'll probably do the same thing for you. Yeah. It's about strengthening body systems instead of just suppressing symptoms. So the symptoms are there to actually show you that your body is needing something. So we can do something to strengthen our lungs versus just, you know, suppressing or drying up the congestion or whatever. So it's about bridging that gap between what your body is needing and actually trying to give it that instead of just saying, stop coughing. <laughs> right. So you said that you followed somebody that shined some light on essential oils and kind of started your journey. So could you share a little bit more about that, who that is? Yeah. What started my journey was a friend and I who taught together actually had a, she had a friend from college and her sister is really who I latched onto at first. Her name's Val. We do the podcast together and we just, we learned through everything together. We would talk things out. She already did some things like got, went to an acupuncturist. I'd never been to an acupuncturist and I started learning about Chinese medicine through her and that was really cool. And then together we kind of latched onto this much larger personality acupuncturist who used essential oils, who taught us about how you can use the meridians in the body and acupuncture points and apply essential oils to specific points of the body. And it's actually as effective as needling, but it actually enhances the acupuncture point not just stimulates it or whatever they do with the needle. So you, you kind of adds an extra benefit um, than just the needling. So we followed her very closely because she worked with Chinese medicine is very much about mind, body, spirit connection and how the emotions flow through the body. And it's not just in Western medicine, we're very chemistry focused. If it doesn't show up under a microscope or we can't test for it, then we don't work with it. But in Chinese medicine, they work all of that in the thoughts, the emotions, how those neurotransmitters and chemicals affect organs and muscles and all of that. So that is definitely the world that I nerded out in and stayed in for a long time and didn't really have any reason to go outside and learn, you know, the other, there are a lot of different facets of, of how essential oils are used, but that was the, the world where I really settled into. You know how they talk about spiritual healing? Was it spiritual healing? Well, I think we are 
are a multifaceted being and you can't separate them. And so, yes, I believe that when you get something working better in the body and maybe you get some new awareness about some emotional pattern you've been reliving over and over again, and you finally make a decision to go a different way and you start feeling better. Yeah, I do believe it unlocks healthier spirituality. Sure. So if I could ask one personal question, what would you tell your younger self sitting here now, knowing what you know, what would you tell your younger self? Speak up. (laughs) You have a lot of ideas that people aren't going to understand at first. Just say it anyway. Just keep saying it. They'll eventually get it. Just barrel through. Yeah. I love that. It goes without saying that you're an expert on healing and living a full and plentiful life. What daily routines or rituals do you practice in self-love and intentional living? Intentional living. I can tell you all about it. Routines. I am really bad about this. I have to work really hard to keep a schedule the same. So I kind of just read myself. I wake up and I make sure I sit and have my coffee. That's like my morning meditation, looking at the steam of my coffee cup. I will journal. I have a very busy brain. If I wake up with a lot of thoughts, I will sit down and journal them out and make sure I just get it out of my head because I've learned that that's prime real estate. And what lives in your head is kind of, you know, if you're riding a bicycle and you're looking in a certain direction, that's where you go. Whatever's rattling around in your brain is what you're going to gravitate towards. So clear it out and then decide what you want to think about. So journaling is a huge thing. I feel like I'm always kind of in this state of prayer. If I'm talking in my head, I feel like it's just me and God talking all the time. And so prayer is huge. I can't go through life thinking that I carry everything on my shoulders to figure out I have to believe that there's something bigger orchestrating it all so that I can let some things go. And then of course, essential oils. I go through a routine of setting up my environment if I'm working. And I set my diffuser for something for focus and I make sure I've taken my vitamins and drank my water and all of those things. So my body is not weighing me down, weighing my thoughts down. From there, I just play it by ear to see what I feel like that day. I do. I actually teach bar. And so I don't exercise daily. I try to, you know, move, go take the dogs walking or walk around in my backyard or something. I do have a tendency to be a still person and I do function better when I get some movement in. So I kind of have to make myself, it's not so hard now that I teach bar. I used to live in Nashville and I ran with friends all the time. And during lunch, you know, we would kind of get up and go run and then come back and put our work clothes back on and go sell cars. I lost that when I moved here. I was just so busy with work. And for literally about two years, I I didn't run. I probably didn't exercise at all. And I can tell you, you know, I got back into it about two and a half years ago. And I try to run around 30, 35 miles a week. And everyone talks about meditation. Everyone talks about exercise and diet. Running for me is the perfect way to unplug. So one of my friends keeps mentioning, well, when you meditate, you know, when you find time to meditate, you just got to think of nothing because that's so hard to do, right? Think of nothing. And I'm thinking to myself, all right, sure. And then I talk to somebody else and they say, well, you know, just ask yourself questions and reflect on previous points in your life, uh, stuff like that. And I'm like, okay, sounds good. So essentially what I'm trying to say is I run to just do whatever I want to do in a 45 minute period, however I want to do it. And I think that that gives me the sense of control and permission that I need to start the day. You know, all the advice that we share between each other, I think we also need to make sure that people understand that it's your body. Mm -hmm. 
and they know what is good for their body as long as they can diet, exercise, and, you know, take, and when I say diet, I mean just eat healthier foods, exercise, and try to smile. Yeah. You know, be happy. Yeah. Right? So, Jennifer, thank you so much for taking a moment to talk with us. Your love for others and yourself shows in everything you do. You're such a genuine and thoughtful educator, and I'm so grateful for this opportunity. We always like to end the show on a high note. Who's someone that makes you better when you're together? I have a really cool community, but definitely my husband takes the cake with this, and he is an amazing encourager, always wants to hear about my day. And if I have something that didn't go so well, he's the first person to just cover it in all kinds of encouraging words and tell me to keep going. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Better Together with Costa Yepafonsiv. If you enjoyed listening and you want to hear more, make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. Leave us a review, or better yet, share this episode with a friend. Better Together with Costa Yepafonsiv is a Costa Yepafonsiv production. Writing and production by Morgan Franklin. Want to find out more about Costa? Visit us at costayepafonsiv.com. We're better together. Better together.